Our reading this morning is from 2 Peter chapter 3, and that can be found on the Church Bible, page 1223, if you'd like to follow along there. It's entitled, The Day of the Lord. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the Holy Prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your Apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last day scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of the time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of this, these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. It's a great privilege to be able to stand here and open up God's word and seek to explain it to us so that we can listen to God's voice and go out into a new week. I begin with a question. And I think the answer to that question will probably be different for every person here. And the question is, what are you looking forward to? What are you looking forward to? 
I suspect there might be at least one person who might be looking forward to their lunch. And uh, you can rest assured that uh, it won't be delayed too long. Maybe you're looking forward a little bit further. Maybe think people might be thinking of a holiday coming up. Maybe that's what you're looking forward to. For others amongst us, maybe you're going through something that you'd rather not be going through and you're looking forward to that being over, whether it be um, the leaving cert, whether it be this whole COVID pandemic. We've all been living through very difficult and uncertain times the last couple of years. And maybe more so than previously, we find it difficult to look forward beyond maybe the kind of fog of our circumstances. Well, we're going to be looking at 2 Peter chapter 3, and Peter's readers, as far as we know, were probably living in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And we know from Peter's first letter that they were suffering persecution. And in his second letter, the last chapter of which we're looking at this morning, we know also that they were, they were troubled by false teachers. So probably they couldn't look forward very much. And maybe we can't either because of our circumstances as we come here this morning. Peter could see trouble coming for him. And it's thought that shortly after he wrote this letter, possibly within a year, he was martyred in Rome by the Emperor Nero. But there was something for Peter and something for his readers and something for each of us this morning to look forward to. And that's what I want to focus on. Our reading encouraged us to look forward to the day of the Lord, a day when everything will change. It's the day that Christians have been waiting for since Peter's day. 2,000 years have passed. Generations have died without seeing that day arrive. So it would be natural maybe for you to think, well, why would we bother thinking about it at all? Well, let's open our Bibles at page 1223, if you want to follow in your church Bible, and see what Peter has to say. Those of you who know your Bibles will know that there are many sermons that could be preached on this chapter. I'd like to reassure you that you're only going to get one, and like all good sermons, it will have three points. So... Uh, that's just to give you some reassurance as we go along. So it's more like a highlights package rather than uh, a long live sport event. I want to highlight as we go through this one thing that we should understand, one thing that we should remember, and finally one thing that we should do. So let's begin with one thing to understand. And you can see that in verses 3 and 4. Peter writes, Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming, he promised? 
Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on, as it has since the beginning of creation. So Peter talks about scoffers. There have been scoffers in every generation. The church throughout its history has been troubled by scoffers. People who said, don't believe God's promises. This isn't going to happen. Did God really say this? And by the way, as we go through this, the phrase, the last days, it refers to the period between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming. Many people think it just refers to the few years before Jesus' second coming. But if you look closely at the New Testament, you'll find that it's used in the New Testament to describe that long period. You might remember on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached, he quoted, in the last days I will pour out my spirit. And in the book of Hebrews, it begins, in these last days he has spoken to us by his son. So it's important just to realize that's what the last days refers to. In the churches that Peter was writing to, the scoffers were false teachers. They claimed that Jesus wasn't going to return. And the implication then, of course, was that there would be no judgment. Their main argument was that nothing changes. But Peter writes in verse 5 that they deliberately forget that things have changed, that the God who created the world also sent the flood in judgment. Of course, today, when we talk about creation or we talk about the flood, there will be many in our world who would deny uh, the biblical truth on these things. Some people deny that God exists at all. And then they come up with... uh, many different theories trying to explain how the universe exists. We can find scoffers everywhere. We can find them in our schools. We can find them in our newspapers. We can find them on social media. So Peter wants his readers, and, it, and I want you and me to understand that we shouldn't be surprised if our faith is under attack in the world in which we live and that the truth of the Bible is undermined, and especially the truth that Jesus will come again. So if you find that in your circle, whether that be in your family, in your school, your college, your workplace, even among your friends, that you're facing scoffing because of your Christian faith, don't be surprised. But understand, it's a normal part of being a Christian. So Peter wanted his readers to understand that scoffers would come, but not to be worried about them. So that's one thing to understand. Let's move on to the one thing to remember. And this comes out in verses 8 and 9, where Peter writes, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord 
is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now I would suspect that there's a few people here this morning and they think, this sounds a bit familiar. Where did I hear this before? Well, it's probably because you were listening last Sunday when David Wilson was the preacher. And he, he preached on Psalm 90. And that deals with the same issues that Peter is writing about here. And the truths that this uh, message conveys, I find three. One is that God is in control of time. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. God is in control of time, both in our own lives and the whole global picture. Peter wants his readers to understand this. The second thing that he wants his readers to understand, and I think it's good for us to understand, is that God is not slow. He has a different timetable. I know in my Christian life as I've gone along, there have been many times when I have wanted God to intervene and act and move as my mind sought quickly and in a fast way. And I think it's natural, and I'd be surprised if anyone here this morning At some stage in their lives, if they were honest, didn't think that God was slow in working in their circumstances. But Peter wants to point out that God has a different timetable to our timetable. Many times we read in the Bible about God acting when the right time had come, according to his timetable. And that even includes when the Lord Jesus came the first time. Jesus came into our world at the right time, according to God's timetable. So God is in control of time. God is not slow. And then God is patient. I'm very thankful that God is patient. God was patient with Peter. Do you remember when the Lord Jesus was going to the cross and Peter let him down in a big way? But Jesus didn't write off Peter. Jesus was patient and Jesus restored Peter. And God knows our weaknesses and our faults. He knows when we go astray. He knows when we fall. And that's why the prayer of confession is so important. Every Sunday when we come here, the prayer of confession goes up on the screen and the person leading the service leads us in that prayer. And then what happens after that? We who are sitting in the pews are quiet and the leader of the service then prays, assuring us of God's forgiveness. Because that's who our God is. He's patient with us. And when his people confess, he cleanses 
He restores and he enables us, as we heard earlier, to serve him with a quiet mind. God is especially patient with people who are hearing the gospel because these verses tell us that he doesn't want anyone to perish. What a wonderful truth. What a great God we have. What a wonderfully inclusive God we have. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter what your skin color is. Doesn't matter whether you're male or female. Doesn't matter whether you're young or old. Doesn't matter what you've done in your life. Peter says that God doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, repentance is a word that we often use, often maybe in a church context, but sometimes maybe we wouldn't hear it much used uh, outside a church context. So I just looked up a definition for repentance, and this is what it said. Repentance is to make a change of mind, heart, and action by turning away from sin and self and returning to God. So that's what repentance is, and that's what God wants everyone to come to, to change their way of thinking, to realize their need of salvation in the Lord Jesus. When I read the word perish and was just thinking as I was studying to prepare for this passage, another Bible verse came to my mind that uses the word perish. I wonder, have you thought of that as I've been um, preaching about this? It's the most famous verse in the Bible. John 3, verse 16. And again it speaks about the great love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So God is in control of time, God is not slow, and God is patient. These are the things that Peter wants us to remember. In verse 10, Peter writes about the day of the Lord and how it will come. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Now, it's at this point that Christians tend to go in one of two directions. And I wonder which direction you go in. One direction could be to get very, very interested, if not obsessed, with how and when this is going to happen. What are the signs that are going to happen? How do today's world events fit in? We're living in a world today where so much of the world is worried about Russia massing troops on the border with Ukraine. In other parts of the world, people are worried about the growth of China as a world power and the threat 
that it is posing to its neighbours. Some people are worried about the European community possibly developing a European army. What will that mean? And then what about the growing threat posed by climate change? What do all these things mean in relation to the future? A lot of time can be wasted on speculating about these things and how they might fit in to the day of the Lord. And I say that because maybe I wasted uh, a lot of time about it uh, in my teenage years. During those years, I read a prophetic magazine uh, avidly. Um, It was called The Midnight Cry. and It was full of articles about the mark of the beast. And at that stage, uh, about supercomputers being developed. And it always seemed to end up with them printing out 666 somehow. And... um, People can get very excited about these things. I read a book, maybe some of you have read a book called The Late Great Planet Earth by a guy called Hal Lindsay. Lots of Christians were reading it in those days. And it was talking about the end of the world coming really soon because he saw the current events of maybe the 1970s and 80s fitting in to Bible prophecies about the day of the Lord. The truth is, We don't know exactly when the day of the Lord will come. And Peter says it here. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. Just to emphasize that it will come as the thief does when we don't expect. Now I said Christians can go in one of two directions. They can go in that direction. Or sometimes the exact counter opposite of that. And Christians can think, well, I'm not going to think about the day of the Lord at all. Because it's too complicated and too controversial. And in any event, it's not relevant to my life. Well, Peter doesn't want you to do that either. He simply wants us to remember that God is in control. And Peter's focus is very practical. Which brings us to my third point. One thing to do. And this comes out in verses 11 to 13. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destructions of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Now, it's very simple really, isn't it? Peter just makes it very clear. We're to live holy and godly lives as we look forward. What does holy mean? I think people can have a certain idea in their mind about what holy means. Really, it means very simply, set apart for God. So do we see our lives being set apart for God? And godly simply means conforming to the laws and wishes of God. So as we live our lives day by day, do those things impact on the way we live? Do we see ourselves as being set apart for God? 
Do we consider God's laws and what God wants us to do with our lives as we plan for our present and our future? It's very clear from this verse that the two parts of the statement are connected. In other words, we will live holy and godly lives if we are looking forward to the day of God and a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Often when um, one is preparing a sermon, one is often advised to think of the so what question. To think of the person listening to the sermon and thinking in their mind, well, so what? So so, so what? What difference does this, or should this, make to us today? Well, if we don't believe in the second coming of Jesus, or never think about it, what hope do we have? What have we got to hope for? The Apostle Paul, in his great uh, chapter about the resurrection and Christian hope in 1 Corinthians 15, he wrote this in verse 19. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people the most to be pitied. And if we don't really believe in the second coming of Jesus, Well then, why would we believe in any of the other great gospel truths? Why would we believe in any of God's promises? One commentator wrote, it is inevitable that if we don't believe in the second coming, that our ethics will become a matter of private choice and taste. And the key issues for us will be self-expression and fulfillment rather than purity and obedience. And that's what the false teachers in Peter's day, that's the road they went down and the road that false teachers today go down. And it boils down to the fact that what we believe matters One Christian writer has said, Christians already have one foot in the future because we have been born to a new spiritual, eternal life. We all know about our physical lives. We're born, we live, we age, we die. Our body goes into the ground. But our spiritual life, we have been born with a soul that lives forever. If we do believe and are looking forward to the day of God, it changes our outlook on our day-to-day life because it gives us hope. We know the end of the story. We know God's plan for us. To put it at its simplest, we're going home. We sang about it earlier in the song, There is a Higher Throne. Remember singing the lines, and there we'll find our home, 
where we belong. There's nothing like coming home and being home. Where we belong. And it's going to be a wonderful home. In our first song, we sang about the glorious things that you have prepared for everyone who has believed. It gives our lives a different dimension as we look forward. We'll have a different viewpoint on our day-to-day lives, on everything that's happening in our world. It was captured well in a song that I often heard my mother playing on a, a record at home, an old Jim Reeves song. And don't worry, I'm just going to read a few lines. Don't, I know people I could see the panic in people's eyes. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasure is laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And this is the key line. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Do you have that dimension in your life? Do you understand that the day of the Lord will bring amazing changes, but it will also bring our new eternal home where we belong by God's grace because we have turned our lives over to Jesus and he will be there to welcome us home. If that is part of our thinking, well then, we'll be motivated today, tomorrow, this week, next week, to live holy and godly lives as we look forward to the day of God. So, as we close, let's recap what I hope we've learned from this passage this morning. One thing to understand there will be scoffers and we shouldn't worry about them. One thing to remember, God is not slow. He is patient. And one thing to do, live to please God as we look forward to the day of God. Amen.